Hello, yeah. everyone. Welcome to 4630. We're doing the reggae show first. Are we, do- are we doing the reggae show? We're doing the reggae. <laughs> Phil, your voice sounds magnificent. It also sounds... Thank you very it, much. It also sounds Thank as you. though it may be peaking slightly, so maybe... I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take it down at this end a little. James Yorkston, my- Triassic Tusk Stephen, and Phil, are a regular guest, there we are. Phil Jupiter's The Crucial Three... Don't let Kopi hear you say that. <laughs> it, it was his birthday yesterday. I oh, was it? Or two days ago. I wonder yeah. how old he is now. He's as old as the universe. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking oh, about. He was, he was a singer in a band called The Teardrop Explodes. And then he... Mm. Ah, yeah. as Julian Cope, the writer. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote, he wrote um, a book about long barrows and things, didn't he? He likes... Ancient history. The Kraut Rock sampler I enjoyed. But he did. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that was. Except he had a real go at um, the B side of um, Future Days, Bel Air by Can. And he just said he thought it was awful, which has just just meant I didn't believe anything else he said. What, what, are, you, what are you drinking there, Stephen? Oh. Is that a sour? Oh, if only one of these sours. It's a oh, Fuddle no, table, table beer. No. The table beer. With yarrow. Yeah, but yeah, it's really nice. E- even I mean, I, even though that we made it, I, I can't. You know, I'm 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 quick enough to um, highlight our own deficiencies, problems yeah. with things that we. Yeah, exactly. So this this mm. one's really nice. And how, is it up for sale yet? Is it selling? Oh, we haven't no, got an Um People listening, you should go to his thing and uh, buy some of his beer and stuff. If you're anywhere near St. Monans or Simonans, if, uh, yeah, it's in a it's, it's in a building just one of the um, one of the few um, Scottish villages named after a member of the Clash. <laughs> I was just thinking about the Clash earlier, but I better not tell you what I was thinking, Phil, because uh, you'll lose your rag with me again. I, I'm, I, you know, I always never, I never lose my temper on this one. I was thinking it was a nature nurture thing. It's well, it's a lot of it. Is if you've if you've not got an outlet, if you've not got like gigs to go to on money, then you're 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 at the mercy of the radio and the telly. So it's top of the pops. Or John so the Peel. The only input. John Peel. The only input. Me. Well, yeah, of course, it's, there's that. But, you know, if you don't know about him, you think, what, there's a bloke on late at night playing more interesting stuff? I found out by accident, I think. Or it was, yeah, it was, I found him, he'd stopped playing all the hippie nonsense by the time I started listening to him. So so when was that, roughly? I think I started listening to him in about 83, I'd say. I started listening to John, because I've, I've still got some cassettes, so I used to record him. Hmm. Um, I used to listen to him. I was listening to him from mid seventy six. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. So I'm the young pup, but I know as well because I have cassettes. I started listening in eighty eight, but at the same time as listening to John Peel and watching Top of the Pops, I was getting the enemy and reading Smash Hits. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. Do oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop yeah, and. Absolutely. Yeah, I read I read all the newspapers because I was working at a record company and we were supposed to read them all. So I even read Music Week. So I had a lot of numbers. <laughs> Phil, what was when you were when you were yeah. at the record company? What was was the 
were, or were the House Martins the biggest band? That uh, you yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Beautiful South were the biggest band. Ah, of course. And then yeah. after I left, Travis were the biggest band. Uh, who else did they have? I can't bloody remember. So how long, how long did you work there? For, I saw. Uh, I was at Go Discs for about four years. And we, were you doing the poetry at the same time and comedy gigs and things? Um, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I was a bit, I was dabbling. I was sort of keeping my hand in doing a couple of months, but I wasn't really so leaning into it. Were you doing the poetry stuff before the Go Discs thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. was the Go Discs like... Um, a life raft from the from the yeah, from being poor. sort of the the record company thing was just um it's because i they knew me through billy because i was billy's support act billy bragg ladies and, and they yeah, yeah billy bragg and they just literally needed someone to answer the phone when they went on holiday the two people that rang go discs <laughs> and so they just said would you come and answer the phones for us for a week while we're away and we'll give you 100 quid and that's what i did cool so I just sat in their office taking messages, listening to the radio and, you know. You could have signed reading. someone. You could have signed some, like, band without them knowing. And Yeah. I, I used to occasionally listen to cassettes, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like demos. I think, yeah, yeah. I used to open demos and go, this one's loud, this one's dancing. Do you think you ever... Do you think you ever passed up anything really good? Uh, only Radiohead, and uh, you know <laughs> that can, that can happen. Well, when we started this, when we started this podcast in 1989, we were the first people yeah, to we play were. Radiohead. Um, but nobody remembers uh, that's, that. It's that's a fictitious story. Um, we did, however, in one of the bands I was in with with uh, Vic Radio One's Vic Galloway, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we supported Radiohead in um, Edinburgh in a tiny wee venue called the Subway. I don't know if you remember the Subway. And uh, they played the song Creep three times. They played it once in the set, once as the encore, and once as the super encore, you know, because it was so good they played it three times. And it, it was a great gig. You know, we we loved it, and I thought they were, they were really, obviously, a, a much better than sort of standard Edinburgh band. And I got to know... Um, Philip Selway through the years, you know, as the as because he's quite interested in sort of the sort of music I do, you know, so I've got to know him. And I was speaking to him about it once. I said, Oh yeah, we supported you by the way. And he said, Oh, when was that? And I said, Oh, it was at Edinburgh. And he looked at me and said, I remember that gig. I said, Oh, was it the support band? Did you remember them being so fantastic? And he said, No. Someone stole our bass player's wallet. Really? Apparently, so. have I told this story before on Forty Six? I've there? never heard that. Never so heard that. I went on but Twitter. Did he, did he hold your gaze when he said it? Well, I don't. Think he, I think he knew it wasn't me because I'm obviously too well bought up for that kind of shenanigans. But I put I put the message out on Twitter because I just thought wouldn't it be amazing if somebody still had that wallet at the back of their drawer. You know, one of my old Edinburgh pals, and uh, one name came up basically. But uh, uh, which was uh, I, I don't really want to say his name, but his nickname was Thieving, or oh well, that or bit really? from my tin, or where's your backy? Those were his three nicknames: Thieving, bit from my tin, 
and where's your backy? So they thought that he had stolen the bass player's wallet, basically. <laughs> oh, wow. So this is the reggae special, as you can tell. <laughs> shall, shall we do three in a row? Let's do three reggae songs in a row. Yeah, go on then. Right, I'm going to play King Cry Cry first. Um, well, when I was first into, when I first got into, not when I first got into reggae, because that's when I was living at home, but when I moved to Edinburgh, uh, I discovered a guy called Prince Farai, who you all know, because he's very well known now. Mm-hmm. And I really got into his voice of thunder. Now, before he was Prince Farai, he was called King Cry Cry. So I'm going to open the trio with King Cry Cry. Then who wants to go next? Ah, do you know, because it's a reggae special, I specifically went, took some records to work and then had a um, record that I really wanted to tape. Yeah, Uh, you know, convert convert to DVD or something. Right, okay. You play it on the, so I put it on the record player and then I record it. And, and then send you files, whatever it, whatever it's called. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a it's a ten inch dub plate, oh. and it turns out I totally forgot to do it. So that was the song that I really wanted to play on the reggae special, and I I, 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 I forgot to do it. But, but <laughs> <laughs> these stories are why people tune in for six thirty. What I did remember was. Um, because it was a reggae special, um, I th- I brought some records that weren't okay. reggae. So I brought um, Lloyd and Glenn, uh, Mini Skirts and Go-Go Boots, which is Lloyd Robinson, you know, um, uh, yeah, Cuss yeah, yeah. Cuss. So this is, this is uh, pre his reggae career, but this is a, it's a um, what's his name? Cornell Chin. It's a uh, Cornell okay. Chin production. Uh, so I, I thought, well, this is at least uh, relating okay. to reggae. And I, uh, just because we lost him so recently and me and my mate Tiny, we were going to go and see Toots in Brixton and the dates got cancelled because of the Rona and then Toots got the Rona and died, which was horrible. Uh, but his new album, I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's always brilliant. The last time he played Edinburgh, I saw him at the Liquid Rooms and he was just magnificent. Wow. Uh, but the new album's very strong and this is the opener. Uh, for my first track in the reggae special uh, this is Drop Off Head which is the opener from Got To Be Tough the uh, uh, the last album from Toots and the Maytals Kikwap Don't talk Jam juice and jello to make you mellow like jello Mighty the brown brown lap don't start on the while I pull into another extra Musical this deserves the man Oh, several months you come. When it comes, it shall hit you like a missile. So you keep on skanking, baby. Like you never skanked before. You keep on running through the musical door. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. the little brother who really, really play? Yeah. Each and every day. Is the order of the from your boss DJ Take the blues out of your shoes And tell the people you suck Because I'm gonna jump the back And my music was rocked Tell you about the musical Egress sound Can't drop because you're strong Get it up I've got the musical pep Get up 
Go, 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 go
that was um, on the Toots track. It's Cyril Neville on percussion, mm. which I thought was quite exciting. Yeah, this, I mean, it's, I was, you know, when they, when you, you know, you hear a DJ on the radio go, oh, "We're going to play something new from Toots and the Maytals," and you're a bit kind of, oh, oh dear. But actually, it's just solid. He's done a grand job. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was just thinking, Phil. Uh, when you sent us those tracks to listen to earlier in the week, uh, it was one I hadn't heard before, but I thought it was great, you know. And uh, when somebody gets to the end of their career and they're still putting out good music, especially when they could easily be surviving on the retro circuit, yeah, it, it's a. I mean, the thing that got me about seeing him live, um, and bear in mind, he's you know he's in his seventies. The, his voice it's, like, what, it's not that, that a lot of artists I like their voice it's not that their voice gets it doesn't get worse exactly but the quality of it really changes mm. and it, it mm. shifts it's like the way you think what Weller sounds like now compared to the phases of his career and the things he went through and now he's got a lovely quality to it but, but Toots man it's got stronger if anything so is the rest of the absolutely album absolutely amazing is the rest of the album that upbeat or is it is it a yeah and and some serious stuff as well got to be tough is is sort of quite angry it's nice you know it's what he what he's done you know conscious reggae it's what Toots always specialised in it's uh, the general sound of the production's beautiful I didn't even look up to see who produced it but they've done a bang up job with him you know and I was just delighted I, I mean and uh, listeners out there will probably know the Got To Be Tough, the first single lifted from the album, uh, um, was uh, was very good. That's the first thing that everyone was all over the title track. But yeah, this opener, Drop Off Head, I, oh, I was big fan, big fan. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, did you, have you, did you ever meet I did, I the, did. did um, me, we were doing the shitty pop quiz at the BBC and I remember Mark Lamar saying to me Toots and the Maytals are on later with Jules tonight so let's get the quiz out of the way quickly and see if we can go and see Toots and so we went across to Studio <laughs> One at Television Centre and they'd finished we missed and I went in and my mate Steve was plugging Toots and the Maytals at the time and he went oh Phil there's someone I want you to meet this is Mr Hibbert and, and I turned around and Toots is standing there and I dropped to the floor and went, oh, my God, I love you. And I'm laying on the floor kind of weeping almost at meeting him, being a dick because I'd had a few beers. And Toots Hibbert is saying to me, get up, man, get <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> Was he Irish? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd not heard that one done before, James, actually, whenever I do an accent. When it, well, it's, it's whenever you come on this podcast, we do it for sure. <laughs> It's the crucial three. Well, which is you two. You, you two have to understand their, that. You two and their English whipping boy. You have to and understand you know what? You, that give me, you send me delightful free music, and Stephen gives me free beer. You can say what you like, you pair of twats. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a jealousy from my part. I'd love to be able to do an accent and hold it for more than five or six seconds. <laughs> Stop it at once. <laughs> oh no, you're great. You posted a thing. Did you ever meet him, Stephen? You're you you're a well-travelled musical man. Uh, no, but I. Um I licensed a song from his guitarist oh, right. recently. Nice. Uh, so his, his, his touring guitarist is a guy called Carl Harvey, uh, who is a Canadian, and who um, I don't know enough about it, but I know that uh, in Toronto has a big Jamaican mm. population, 
and there there were lots of links between Toronto and Jamaica, and there because there's lots of um, uh, reggae made there and, and digital reggae and things. But um, yeah, this guy Carl Harvey wrote this incredible disco song and produced a kind of gospel disco song yeah. in 1980, um, and I managed to get hold of a copy and I managed to track oh, him nice. down and license and what's that for, Stephen? Uh, for the next Screamers, Bangers, Cosmos. Amazing. So how many, how many tracks have you got ready for that? Oh, well, it, it, to, as of today, I think four, but I, I'm going to spend uh, the next three nights working on it. So I'm hoping to um, uh, like finalise at least three more contracts. That'd be a, that's, that's the music book we're all desperate to read i mean you know charlie gillett sound of the city absolutely brilliant i'm obviously grill marcus uh you know some great music writing but no one has ever really written about the tedious admin <laughs> of music and i think well, there's a book Stephen, you could really get get done the tedious admin of of, of track absolutely, absolutely. is your dad from, still yeah. alive the Stephen marshall story <laughs> <laughs> James, did you ever meet Toots or do a festival? Were you ever on a bill with him? Do you ever do that thing when you're on a fe- when you're the festival poster? Yeah, not with Toots, but I mean the no. two which stick, which come to mind for me. Well, there's three things really. I'm not a great fanboy, but these the next three things were kind of fanboy moments, but they're all nothing. Yeah. I, I was in one of the big recording studios in London getting something remastered, Year of the Leopard. Yeah. And uh, I had to sign in. I'd arrived at like nine in the morning or something. Yeah. And I saw the names of the people who'd signed in the day before. And one of them yeah. was Scott Engel, which really, uh, I'm a yeah, huge, yeah. I'm a huge. Signed, did he, he sign, he signed he in, signed in Scott, Scott Engel. Engel, yeah. And of course, I'm a huge okay. Scott Walker fan. So that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Just writing the same piece of paper. And then the other two, which come to mind, uh, Orchestra Baobab, I was playing a festival with them in, in uh, yeah. London, and they're in the caravan beside us. You know, these guys oh, have wow. been listening to like, for, I guess at the time, maybe 25 years or something. And they were just sat there, and they were actually sitting outside, sort of relaxing on the lawn. And I was there with Sahail and John, and I just thought, if I try and speak to them, my French is just going to let me down immediately. And I didn't want to be one of those guys going, ah, you know. So I kind of smiled and said, uh, oh, but there was nothing. And then, actually, there's two more, but I'll, be, I'll get through them quickly. Umu Sangare was playing immediately after us at Glastonbury. And after her set, um, we were on the state, same stage. It was being televised by BBC. After her set, I queued up with everyone else to get her autograph. But by the end, I just thought, it's just enough just seeing her, you know, just, I don't really want yeah. to be there kind of, oh, look, I played after, I played before you, could you sign this? And then the final one was Gary, the Malagasy guitar player, who, his playing really inspired me to get my first acoustic guitar. I took out a loan and got an acoustic yeah. guitar. And I did actually go backstage afterwards to meet him. But it was the worst thing because he speaks French. I don't, I, my French is awful. And he didn't want to be there. It was an awful gig. It was playing in Bradford Town Square. And he was on the back of a lorry, uh, you know, a Christ. flatbed truck playing. And then all these people were... <laughs> and then... 
there were sort of lads walking around holding inflatable women and stuff. You know, yeah. it, it was an awful oh, situation. Dear. Right, if you're going to be coarse like that, then I'm going to... Right, OK, I'm going to use my Brian Eno cards. <laughs> so I've got a full set of Brian Eno's oblique strategy cards, which I'm going to use to do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Guided um, by Brian. Should we play some music, gentlemen? I'm going yeah, to play a real... Yeah, why, not, why don't we do three more? That was okay, wasn't it? So that these guys, Stephen and Phil, are holding up Brian Eno oblique strategy cards, saying that say things like, take off your clothes and shut your mouth. And got, I'm holding one up to James. You can read that out because you've got says, a beautiful sonorous voice. What are you really thinking about now in corporate? In corporate, yeah. I suppose. And Stephen has gone back to stop talking. He loves a bit of that. What are, that, are they? Are they the? Um, are they the Bernard Manning um, oblique strategy cards you've got there? Yeah, mine. I, mine is something that I got in a hotel a long nice. time ago, and um, I found them. Oh, so yours aren't the Brianina one, Stephen? No. I was no. talking to a mate of mine who did. Um, he performed one of Brian's albums. He got permission to do one of the ambient albums with a band from Australia. Uh, um, a guy called David Coulter, who's a musical arranger, and um, he got uh, he got permission to use Brian's original oblique strategy. He got photos of the original cards that Brian keeps in his safe at his studio. Mm. So they've they've they kind of these are like a printed version that I've got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the original mm. ones are in Brian's safe at the studio, and they're in his handwriting with like notes on them and things. Wow. And David had them projected up on the on the um, backdrop wow. while they were doing the gig. That's a great idea. The gig. Yeah, it's fun. How big was You're the good lad. How big was the band? How big was the? Um, it's a three-piece improvisational okay. Australian jazz band he used, and David is one of these multi-instrumental didgeridoo saw plays anything, knows how to do arranging and rehearsing and improvising and things. And uh, was it Seb Roachford, the drummer? I think he might have been using. I could. I could jazz be drummer. wrong on. No, it might have been someone else. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But he did tell me about the gig, and it sounded. It's weird because I was just chatting about using, you know, the cards, you know, in art, and then he said, "Oh, I did a gig for Brian," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> just... <laughs> so that's interesting. You use them for art. Yeah, yeah, it's what they're for, you know. What was the first um, album that was made using them? I don't know. I've no idea. We should ask him to come on the podcast. Brian, you know, just to... Well, we could ask him other stuff. What, what I did like was, um, I remember him being interviewed about um, working with Bowie, the Berlin albums. Uh, mm. And I remember him saying that him and Bowie used to talk to each other like Pete and Dad. Right, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, do you think maybe we should have some more bass on this one, Brian? Well, I don't know, David, actually, mate. I mean, maybe we should. So it's just like, you know... Stephen, oh, Henry's Stephen, cat, do you want to say it? If you prefer. Do you want to say it, Stephen, this time? Irish. <laughs> were they Irish? Were they, they were they Irish? <laughs> no, actually, I thought they were pretty, really yeah. pretty spot on. But um, just that yeah. idea of David Bowie and Brian Eno go, oh, oh, are you enjoying that sandwich? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Absolutely brilliant. I think it was. I think it was Bowie stuff or Bowie uh, stuff. I never remember which one. But I think that was the first. Where they used them. Um, 
where he was mm. producing and he was using the cards. Yeah, to, well, it's the sort of thing. You can I, imagine, he, I don't think he. I don't think he made them during that. Rocks and music being on board. It's an, it's a, an incredible thing making an album when there's a group of people and everyone's mind is on the album. You know, some people yeah. aren't checking their phones or thinking about the next project. It's kind of like this yeah. joint sort of mindfulness where you're all going to the same thing, you know. And ultimately, you're concentrating on something which isn't of much importance, you know. Yet another album. Well, I mean, but, you say that, but no, it's like it's, a football it's team. A, it's what it's what I like about that way of working and making an album. What you've got there is a collective artistic endeavor and the mm. fruition of it. It's an amazing thing. It can be a beautiful, you know. beautiful thing to do. Um, well, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Maybe next time I'm on the show, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, I nearly started talking about something. I, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about this another time. Play some music, lads. Okay, I'm going to play uh, a track by Junior Biles called Curly Locks, and his voice in this is just absolutely gorgeous. I love every. Is it? Uh, I know the. So- I know the song. Is it Lee Perry no, it's production? Not, it's not Lee Perry production. Okay. It's actually, I, it may be a Lee Perry production, but it's not the one his, that Lee Perry. I know singing. him doing Curly Locks. It's Curly not. It's that Locks. song, but it's not. It's not the Lee Perry one. You have a listen. It's beautiful. Anyway, that's what I'm going to play. Then who's next? Then uh, okay, I'll go with. Mm, so the, another song that wasn't a reggae song. Um, it's Eddie Grant. And if can uh, I just say, this Eddie Grant track when I was listening to it. If anyone, Stephen used to uh-huh. DJ quite a lot uh, as, what did you call yourself, Triassic Tusk? And uh, yes. if there's any record that Stephen's played that reminds me the most of his uh, Triassic Tusk DJ nights is this, which is basically an up-tempo, relentless groove <laughs> with not a huge amount of melody or depth, but uh, just a great, great <laughs> dance track. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yes. it's a compliment. That's, you know, it's a compliment. Um, it, it's um, um, yeah. this was one that he recorded at oh. Ice Studios, and it's. Um, I looked. I was thinking. I was. I was trying to think about. Um, I was thinking about Eddie Grant because he did a lot of reggae influenced music. Um, uh, but this is this one isn't on Discogs, um, and so I don't. I couldn't find is it, it a, about it. Is it a seven inch? record? It's called. Yeah, and it's called part two, and I don't know what so, part one sounds like. So I presume that there's the other side isn't part one. Is the one. other side the A side? So I've got is the other side the A side. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Because this sounds almost like no, no. I like it. I think it's a really good piece of music, <laughs> but it sounds like nothing I've ever heard Eddie Grant do. I mean, it could be because I know nothing about yeah, his this, career, but um, he, he he was uh, so um prolific though the amount of right. music that he made and and um he i feel like he's one of those really like great underrated people like he obviously had huge huge hits as well but is if you look at the the type of music that he made and the type of music that he produced and the the stuff that his own record label produced and these tiny little pressings and he did uh kind of like avant techno arthur russell stuff and uh you know like a kind of hard kind of rock reggae and loads Did he, of um, things. was this really? after the equals then yeah yeah but, but, uh, after the equals he, he um he started his solo yeah. career like like 1972 yeah, yeah. or 73 around that time oh cool 
Um, and I'm playing just because I, I love him. Just because I love him so much. Um, Mikey Dread. Um, I kind of that kind of um, mid to late seventies lo-fi reggae with a really high vocal mix and a lot of echo and it's just the reggae that I started listening to when I first started buying reggae if I was gonna buy someone a reggae album I'd either go with just for the vibe of it live at the county Eurovision by Misty and Roots but that's a live album and so it's a big ask whereas that studio sound that reggae had in the 70s I'd get I get dread at the controls, which I bloody love. And this uh, this is uh, Barber Saloon. From the souvenirs of the yesteryears, another Mikey Dread classic. Now you come musical music called the Barber Saloon. And I'm a Gemini and I was born in June. You know? Wow! Oh, 
Because every night you pray to the Lord of Lord And every day you pray to the King of Kings I give one to the CI I saw me to the Emma one
A trio of classic reggae tracks. Well, one of them was a classic, and the other two were less <laughs> yeah. well known but very good. Wow. I thought, no, wow. would you agree? I, th- I mean, obviously, Dread of mm. the Controls is a classic album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, what was your, your first reggae album, James? Is, we've been talking a lot about my music brother, my brother John, who's, who's the listener over in uh, Florida that we quite often mm. refer to. Uh, he bought, used to bring home all sorts of albums, and one mm. was Dread Beat and Blood, which is why uh, I'm such right. a huge Linton yeah, Crazy yeah. Johnson fan because it just arrived at the right time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up in a small five village, a small five farming village, Kings Barnes, a white privileged guy, very, very different from what LKJ had moved into, you know. Yeah. In Brixton, I uh, I saw Linton just doing poetry readings before I before I heard his stuff with the band, and that was on Peely's show. Right, the first time I heard him with a band. But um, oh god, I never forget this because he's weird. I'm so used to I'd I'd seen him read "One Figure Rave" as a poem, and then when you hear it with a band behind it, 
And I'm like, oh my God, it's a dance song. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever, and if you ever hear him recite it, you're kind of in your head. It's one of the few poets I've ever danced to. <laughs> <laughs> you well, kind of you... can when he gets it right, Linton, sometimes. Were you at the To Sup With A Pfeiffer that he did? No, no, I wasn't. You told me all about it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably bored you yeah. about it. Yeah, that that was... It uh... wasn't boring. No, no. It was, it was, But, yeah, seeing seeing Linton do a... In fact, it was a great night. Um, Clarkey, John Cooper Clark had a residency at the Marquee um, in Wardour Street, the old Marquee, but not the old, old Marquee that was in Oxford Street, the one that the Who smashed up. Um, no, the so the Marquee that I used to see all the punk bands at, and I went to see Clarkey there. And one week it was him and Linton, so that was a night out. Dear God, you've got Linton, you know, doing things like Sonny's Letter, and then after that, on comes John Cooper Clark with the Invisible Girls and his Bernard Manning jokes. It's one of the most weird culture, <laughs> cross-cultural evenings I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean when he was at um, to stop with the Five, he was amazing. I mean the recordings, the the live album, the LKJ live albums are brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the same with the, you know, the YouTube clips. I've watched a lot of them, Crazy Johnson. I mean, and yeah. he definitely influenced the the way I write as a, as a as a writer. You know, the rhythm of his mm. words. And again, I'm aware of the kind of. You should, you, you should mention that if you ever get interviewed, <laughs> James. <laughs> By, By anyone uh, ever. I've, I've, I've just said the same. <laughs> I've said the same five influences from my first interview to the last. There's no one else broken in. You know. <laughs> There you go. Consistent. It's not like you have to, when you're doing interviews, going, oh, I've got to think of some new influences on my life. <laughs> um, what was the first reggae thing you heard then, Stephen? What what got you into reggae music? Uh, Dat by mean, Pluto um, Shervington. Pe- no, so I don't even know what that is. But it would have been... Um, John Peel right, did yeah, you yeah. stuff. Rasta Ozzy from up the hill. Try and take up him grocery bill. <laughs> I still really like that hard uh reggae stuff. It's still Dance all stuff dance like Lizard, Affy uh, Fly Out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's don't, the type don't, of don't, 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 um, don't, don't, don't. I guess it's the same when you're talking about um, being in yeah. King's Barnes. I was in Canvas Barn. Mm. Someone told me that there was a really good um, reggae night in the 70s in Dundee. Is that? Oh, I wouldn't know about that. No. I mean, that would have been eight or nine. I was, you know, I wasn't really going to reggae nights when I was oh, eight. Sorry, I always forget when I'm with you fuckers that I'm an old man. <laughs> There's just something about, it. Was, it's just because I didn't, you know, I didn't hear an awful lot of, you know, apart from pop reggae that was, that was around, there was an awful lot. I remember my auntie was into two-tone and sort of blue beat stuff. Not two-tone, she was into original Scar, you know, skinhead stuff. So yeah. Prince Buster and that. So there was a bit of that. And I remember, you know, things like Return of Django. You know, there was something about that that was just the sound of it. Just, I remember when I met um, Sly Dunbar. All right. I was, in, was interviewing him. Um and uh, just chatting to him, and he, him and Robbie had just done an album, and um, we were chatting about that. And um, I said, "You so I don't, I don't know an awful lot about how you got started." He went, he went, uh, "Well, yeah, me, me was still at school when me first player." And I went, "What's the first like? 
what was the first record you played on? And he went, uh, it was a record uh, by Dave and Ansel Collins, and it were called Double Barrel. And I'm wow. like, his the that's you've you're at school still, and the first record you play on is fucking Double Barrel by Dave and Ansel <laughs> for the lo- and I lost my shit when he said that. That was his first fucking record. Oh my god, absolutely unbelievable. Think about that's that. incredible. You know, my first record is <laughs> no, god, not that level. <laughs> Um, the first, the first reggae-related record I bought uh, was uh, "Dub Be Good to Me." Oh. Well, he's uh, which I um, "Dub Be Good to Me," yeah, which I designed the. Um, they did a, um, they did a remix version. Yeah, the twelve-inch. There was a twelve-second, but they did a the they did a second version. I designed the sleeve for that. Oh, there was like a with an mm-hmm. actual sleeve. Yeah. Ah, okay. The one that I had had was just a. It was a black sleeve and it had a red swirly bit in the middle. Of course, they. There was famously a little bit of commotion because it was kind of taken off Guns of Brixton, wasn't it? Really, the bass line. It was indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. That was the the early days of sampling when they hadn't really worked worked out all the legalities. Whereas now you just fill in your form, didn't you? Hmm. I've got friends who work with who do samples and things on their records, and uh, one of the best known, though I won't say their name, they've hmm. just always had the attitude that they they use so many samples that it's not worth their while making any effort to track people down, and they've just they just consider being caught as it's like. Um, Fletcher in porridge, you know, being a burglar, being caught is a hazard of the trade. Right. And that's how yeah. my pal considers the samples, samples, oh, well. you know. There you go. If you get caught, then that's that. And eventually, of course, you lose more than 100% of the rights. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it, you know. They, yeah. they, somebody's got the guitar part and they ask for... Seventy percent, and then there's a vocal it, part. Who, who is it? Someone had a um, a big single, and then actually sort of didn't get any money for it because it was someone else's tune. Not oh, Oasis, that was so. was that band, The Verve. Do you remember them? The Verve. That was it. Because they'd used a. I, I don't even think it was a sample. I think they'd they were. No, it was the whole. It was the whole hmm. loop. It was that the whole of the melody from the. But am I not? The, am I not correct in oh. saying that they didn't actually use the Rolling Stones version? They got somebody else to copy it. No, it was the. Do you remember who was this? Fing, the guy Andrew that's also described as, as Fengali. Yeah, it was his. He did. Um, he had uh, a covers band at the time do a kind of pop orchestra version right. of okay, Rolling right. Stones songs, and so it was. It was that, and they. They. It wasn't that they took a little bit of it. They just took the whole thing, and and did a song over it. So it wasn't like when you hear the two, it's not like oh, you can go, oh, you can excuse that. It's just the whole thing. Mm. But surely, was George Harrison not the first person that got um, chipped for that? My sweet lord. The, um, yeah, my sweet lord. Yeah, what I wouldn't say then? who was the first person. No, I mean because that surely my uh, God, I'm not a Beatles guy at all. So if I'm Phil, must Phil must know more about this than me. That can't have come out until the mid seventies, my sweet lord. And I'm sure people were getting done for ripping people off before then. Yeah, no, my sweet lord was seventy two, yeah, right about then. Yeah, I'm sure Feels people right. were arguing about 
sung copyrights before then. But that was that was only so he he took the song. It was the chiffons, and it he's was maybe so something like he's so fine, which would only have been about mm. ten years before that. Um, but I don't think there was a case of of that kind of outright copying sampling before that. I don't remember. Well, no, that was I wasn't alive there, but I, I don't. Yeah, you know. I can't remember it in musical history. Too. Yeah, okay. but in terms of copying, then our good friends Led Zeppelin really lent into it. Yeah, no, they they were they were terrible. I mean, obviously, as a fan of Annie Briggs, who you you may mm. or may not know, I'm a fan of. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, uh, those of you playing uh, the uh, the James and Stephen drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> Annie Briggs just got mentioned. Time to do your yard of I, ale. <laughs> I mean, Can got mentioned. Uh, Lindsay Crazy Johnson's been so mentioned. We've had Can. Lindsay Crazy Johnson, Annie Johnson Annie and now Briggs. we've got Anne Briggs. And we've had DeGarry, yeah. of course. Mm. The, oh, of course, out oh, and. Um, the Sangare. I can't pronounce. The, yeah. Was it Glastonbury? It's almost been a full yeah. house. We just haven't mentioned the great, uh, the great American folk hero that uh, both Stephen and I. And indeed, Philip are, are fans of. Um, should we? Should we? Um, should we go into the oh. final three before we mention Michael Hurley? I'm going to play uh, Gregory Isaacs and Hugh uh, Brown with a track called "The Border," which I, I'm just playing it because I really like it. That's that's all it is. There's no story behind it other than it's a great wee piece of music. Um, I'm um, inspired, uh, as I have been, by uh, the good folk at Netflix uh, picking up uh, the brilliant um, kind of around about 1976-77 British reggae film uh, featuring uh, Brinsley Ford from Aswad. Um, And this track, this instrumental track featured in uh, the soundtrack to Babylon. Uh, I'm going to play Warrior Charge by Aswad who were the first reggae band I saw live uh, at the Cliffs Pavilion in South End, And this is before they were pop superstars. Um, they were yeah, huge. They were a massive pop band, weren't they? This is a great recording, though. This track you're playing, um, it's a great recording. It's nice, and it? it's really good. From that well, whole from that whole frontline period when Virgin was it were... Live and Direct? Was that, their, was that one of their live albums, Live and Direct? Was that them? Yes, I think it was. I'm going to yeah. say. I'm going to say it was. Say if yes. Say yes. If it wasn't, say, it doesn't matter. Say it confidently, and I can enjoy my sweet, Stephen. Yeah, I think you're right. And is this is a virgin. It was. Virgin it's got a very British sound to it, doesn't it? Especially the brass section. Mm. Yeah, I always thought. I always thought they were British. I don't know why, but I, I thought that for years and years. That they Are they not British a British reggae band? band? But I think it was probably because. I thought they I thought they were. Yeah, they are. are they? Yeah. yeah. They are. <laughs> Stephen Marshall, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I've always thought that. <laughs> that's, one bit of ad, that's one bit of admin he didn't do this week. <laughs> okay, and then Stephen, what have you got yeah. at the end? So for years for years oh, I right. thought they were British. But recently I thought, no, they're not British. No, they're British. I don't know why. I must have I must have read something <laughs> somewhere. Um what have I got? Let me see. Uh, oh, oh, Scorpion, mm-hmm. Choir. Mm-hmm. Did you reggae? 
1990 really this is the this is the kind of reggae that I like that kind of like a really hard um yeah I like this Me said the star a sell and the green a sell Me said them not sell as much Enquire and mash them up Enquire and mash them up Come now Me said the green a sell and the star a sell Me said them not sell as much Enquire and mash them up Enquire and mash them up Come now Master God lend me your ears if you're not busy Some things are gonna hurt, Lord God it not pretty Some things when me reading at the inquiry If me was a big fool, me oh no believe it Like me sight, but a girl get pregnant for duffy Me read about some man who a make love to donkey Them the thing not right in front of the Almighty Sit up on the rhythm and me sit down well steady And everybody come a dance, not them happy follow me Oh love you one and if you read your inquiry Lord Daniel, everybody love how to read it Me said the cleaner say, me said the Star a sell, me said them nah sell as much And choir and mash them up And choir and mash them up Pop up, pop up, pop up Said the green a sell And the star a sell Me said them nah sell as much And choir and mash them up And choir and mash them up Pop up, pop up, pop up No, hold up your one, your radio And choir a come Holy prating in the end, choir Sweet vibes with Barigi in the end, choir Dear pastor, when me read the end, choir Come a dance and them up they follow me And me read both sus in the inquiry Jam dongs running in the inquiry Everybody come a dance, them up they follow me Come, hold up your one, your radio inquiry Cause the downtown party love them inquiry And, and everybody love them inquiry And the arcade party love them inquiry And the downtown crew love them inquiry Everybody in Jamaica, them up they read it Say some of them a call it people business Why some of them a say I mix up and blend up I don't care what the people pay for Read by everybody lad in Jamaica Read by police, read by soldier Read by Berlin and no Rasta And we sit up on the rhythm and we sit down proper Said the clean and sell and the star and sell Me said them not sell as much And choir and mash them up And choir and mash them up Popo, popo, popo Said the clean and sell and the star and sell Me said them not sell as much And choir and mash them up and a choir and mash them up, pop up, pop up, pop up, come Jump around your video inquiry, come When you feel when you read your inquiry, come All of the girls with them inquiry Say people in a town, people in a country Say people in a New York, people in a Miami Me sit up on the rhythm and me sit down steady All of you one, cause you know you're ready Say people in a town, people in a country Everybody love to read the inquiry I want thing to tell you some true story Cause all up your one cause you love to read it Come, kick out your foot cause you love to read it Come, as some me know everybody love it So the star a sell and the green a sell Me said them not sell as much And choir and mash them up And choir and mash them up Pop up, pop up, pop up Said the green a sell and the star a sell Me said them not sell as much And choir and mash them up in a choir, I'm much 
If I could reach the border I would live a little bit better Then I would I would live a much road. longer Every minute of the hour Some say me say Round the river Down the road Some say me Round the river Down the road But I didn't see the black People come and Stick me to the road Me say Me leave King Fever running trout Some me say Me round the river Down the road Some me say Me round the river Down the road So I said, I want to bobby ever that to never be into. Me say, Roll a river down, down the road. So me say, the road, river down, down the road. Until you see the high school of greener is the color of a rainbow. All you got to do is keep on coming to me, though. You say, You never know what gonna really teach you so. When I see the bobbers, I don't make you dip it down, they don't want me say, Roll a river down, down the road.
soldier, I try to brutalize I But just to the bomb the daddy could I never control I hear me say round the river Jordan around Some is in the round river Jordan around Tough and that is no dumb bluff Me say roll river down, down the road Some is in the road, river down, down the road Ain't no tell me say in a time like this You got to wash your soul See what about the earth that you never be in town Now me say roll the river down, down the road Some is in the road, river down, down the road In a time like this you should have never take no reason See the black people missing this smoke up this
Okay, well, we're coming to the end of the reggae podcast. Thanks very much for everyone listening. It's been quite a long one, so we're just going to say goodnight now. Goodnight, everyone, from me, James Yorkston. I'm Phil Jupiter just saying goodnight. Bye. Curly Lux. Bye. Thank you. See you. <laughs> <laughs>